0: Hey there, and welcome to Soul Church.
1: Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life.
0: You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God
1: is doing in people's lives, and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Well, we're really blessed today. Honored to have a member of our church family who is here, Ken Costa or I like to call Kenny. And um, Kenny has been coming to our church pretty much since the start. He's been an incredible blessing to Chantelle and I. He's an author. Uh, he's got some phenomenal material out there on Amazon. You can pick some of that up. But more than all of those things, he's a banker in the city. Uh, he's an influencer around the world. He's an influencer in politics. And But more than all of that, he is a man of God. And he has been such a support to Chantelle and I and our family and I can honestly say over the past few years, there's not a week that doesn't go by where Ken doesn't call me. This is a man who's on the phone to presidents, he's on the phone to prime ministers all around the world, but he takes time to check in on Chantal and I every week because his heart is with us. And you know, you can't pay for those kind of friendships. You can't can't look for those kind of friendships. God sends them to you. And there's no doubt about it, that God has sent Ken Costa into Chantal and I's life and into our church community. And he always starts with the same question: "Are you being a good boy, Johnny?" That's what he says every time. And most of the time, I say yes. And occasionally, he gives me a little—he uh, gives me a little slap and says, "Time to grow up a little bit." And. But hey, he is a real real blessing to all of us. And uh, I know you're going to be blessed by his ministry. I had the privilege to be here at the 9am service and listen to the word. It's a phenomenal word. It's going to bless you, inspire you, encourage you. So why don't we stand to our feet and let's give Ken, Ken Costa a huge, warm Soul Church welcome.
0: To have lost the talk over there. That was only the introduction to remind me to be nice to John. Um, would you take a seat, please? Um, well, it's uh, it's as ever it's as ever a wonderful time to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation to uh, to be here. Ah. Oh. Johnny hopes that I'll die and be in heaven, but I'm not dead yet, sitting in the clouds. <laughs> okay, right, I think, there we are, it's enough, whatever, whatever the boss said. <laughs> Just checking. Oh well, we've got to live with it. Um, but it is a wonderful privilege to, uh, uh, to be here. It's a privilege because I've had the opportunity of being with you and you've been so welcoming over many, many years. And wasn't it amazing to see the, those, um, the Lego going up and, you know, in real time? Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. But you know, the thing we always have to remember is like a seed. A seed has to go down before it can come up. And we like to see the flower, but that flower was once a seed. It has to go down, it has to die in the ground before it can come up. And in a sense, that's what happened that's what that foundation was. But that foundation was laid by this family uh, in this church uh, for this generation. And that's an incredible privilege that you have. I know you're led by a great man but, and, and Chantel, but by your t- you give your time, you give your energy, and you give your money to the things that you really believe in. And I just want to honor you for that. Uh, well, all over uh, we go, we hear about what you're doing here. Sometimes you don't realize just how extraordinary it is what you are doing here. And it, uh, as they say, you ain't seen nothing yet uh, when that grows to being, because it is a venture of faith, isn't it? That's what that's all about. But I also want to say you have an amazing, um, amazing pastor in uh, John and Chantel, and I've known them for a long, long time. Um, one does have to have a certain degree of sort of interpersonal skill to deal with Johnny, as I will call him. <laughs> uh, as, as he seems to be calling me Kenny everywhere. So, so we've, got, um, we've got that. The, the interpersonal skill is because you never know when you're with him what on earth he might do next. So I had a birthday party a year or so ago, and there shall be nameless, there was one of the people, one of my guests there, was someone who is hoping to be our next prime minister. Uh, To my certain knowledge, John had never met him. Didn't stop him from going straight up to the guy, putting his arm around him and saying, so good to see you again, (laughs) to the very sort of bemused look of everyone else, not the least of which, the candidate who hopes to be prime minister. Um, So he's always filled with surprises, but the two things I do know about him uh, are, are, are very simple. If you're with John, you're with fun. Don't you agree? He, he is fun to be with. I've traveled with him. He's been annoying beyond description. Um, you know, By wandering around, greeting strange people he's never met um, and introducing me to them, which is the worst part of that. But he's great fun to be with, but also he has fire. He has got fire and the fire for the Lord is infectious and it hits us and it warms us. And it gives us that sense of, of calling. I always say in the case of John knees, we all know about uh, faith, hope, and charity. In the case of, of John, one of the successes of this place is that he has been filled with, with faith, hope, and clarity. And that makes a difference. Uh, because you know where you're going. You know what you want to do. You know you want to reach this great city. And you're putting all your effort into doing so. So... Wonderful to be here, but God bless you all and thank you so much for what you are doing um, in supporting them. So I want to, I I do want to just say, look look at the world that we're in. I want to talk to you about, uh, on two topics, I want to talk to you about a second touch and a second chance from the life of Jesus. And there's no room today for a second thought because when we come to the end, I want to specifically ask you to allow the Spirit of God to give you a second touch and also to give you a second chance. And so don't have second thoughts. Stop them now because you're going to kill them when we get to to the end. Now I didn't have to, I'm confident in saying this, that not everything in your life has turned out the way you imagined it, and if it has. I won't even ask you to stand because I can't think there's going to be anybody who could do that. Um, We've had um, difficult giants to face, haven't we? We've had someone's careers completely collapsed. Someone's marriage is hanging in by a thread. Your support network and friendship has been traumatized. You found yourself alone and isolated. We're stuck. It is as if if the deck cards of our lives have been just shuffled and shuffled and kept shuffling. And we are waiting. We're waiting, waiting for something to engage to happen. And why this is so difficult is that we've had, we've literally just come through the worst pandemic that we have ever faced in the world. And we thought just as we were getting through that, that actually life would become better. And as we got through that, we faced this most enormous financial crisis with inflation running at levels that are unimaginable. Uh, We have found that we've got a war going on in Ukraine and in the middle of all of this we're changing our prime minister. And all these things act as an uncertainty and if you think it's this country, just think of any other country where everybody is suffering the same issues of dislocation, of uncertainty, and during COVID, we asked ourselves the question, you know, you know uh, am I going to make it through these days? But we don't ask that question anymore. The question we ask is, what are these days going to make of me? What are these days of uncertainty going to make of me? How am I going to learn through it? And how are we as a community and as a church going to help each other to understand that this isn't some solo game? We don't play solitaire. We work in a community, in a church, in order to strengthen ourselves. And we ask ourselves, what's next for ourselves, for our family, for our future, for our finances, for the world that we're living in? We're saying, Lord, what is there next And I suppose we get to a time when we're tired of waiting. Waiting in order to see where God is leading or where anything is leading. (laughs) Waiting to see a business take off, which hasn't. Waiting to see a relationship restored, which hasn't. Waiting to see a new friendship blossom, which hasn't. Waiting to see, and you can fill all of that in. And in that waiting, we are restless in the waiting because there's so much uncertainty around we long for that uncertainty to end and certainty to come and that waiting that tiredness of waiting makes us quite tired which is why uh, John was so right to say that we want to be joyful because there is no other way that you can be joyful other than really in the Spirit of God allowing us to rise above what there is but waiting is the water of faith. It is essential for faith to rise for us to be able to wait. You will not stretch your faith. You will not be able to walk by faith unless you know that there is the water there. The water of waiting is what allows the faith to grow. But through this confusion around us in the world, what has happened is is that our vision has shrunk in that restlessness that we have and because our vision has shrunk we look around at the disappointment that we have we look around the difficult times we're going through the confusion of what we need to do and we sort of live in a world where we just can't even feel comfortable where we are let alone breaking out of it to move forward and it's a very dislocating place and as a result of that we need a fresh touch from God and the reason that we need a fresh touch from God is that the eyes in your head give you sight but the eyes in your heart give you vision and we need to hear from God as we've never heard before because we can't continue to live in this constant uncertainty without knowing that there is a solid base on which we can grow Or we'll all become traumatized by the inability to trust. And trusting God is the only way we can move from our comfort zone to where we're going. And the quickest way to become yesterday's person is to stay in your comfort zone. But if you want to stay in your comfort zone, it's not just a Google press of a button that you can just snip out of it. No, on the contrary... It is an act of God. We need a fresh touch from God. And so what I want to do is I want to look um, uh, at a Bible passage. Good to do the Bible working through what Jesus has, um, has to say. Because this is the work of our authority. So here, is, here I want to give you a, a story. And it's in Mark chapter 8. They came to Bethsaida, Bethsaida was the place where, where all the disciples used to live. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and he said, I see people, and they look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. And then his eyes were open, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly, and Jesus sent him home. Now, the thing that's interested me so much about this story is that when we look at something as we've done in the past, we know that you can. You, movement requires sight. You can't. You can't move without sight. You don't know where to go. And here you have a situation that is so extraordinary because you've got a group of people coming to Jesus. You would normally, if you were blind in that time of the year, you'd go to a rabbi to ask for some teaching. But in this case. They, want, they don't want some teaching from Jesus on blindness. And do you notice in the story, Jesus never talks about the man's blindness. He doesn't say, well, I'm so sorry that you're blind. But what, he, what we do know is that good teaching informs us, but a touch of God transforms us. And that's what they're wanting. That's why they ask him, touch him, to transform him. I don't know whether you like me can think of that occasion when um, your father or a teacher or a friend puts an arm on you. In a very small point, just a few minutes ago, um, giving the, the, the young students their, 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 their certificates, uh, John welcomed them and the person next to him um, was Josh, I think, and he put his hand on him. And the moment you do that, there is an affirmation. There is, what I'm saying is, I am linking myself to you. I'm wanting to be part of you. I want to share with you. And that's what they're asking, because good teaching, obviously, and you have it in this church, good teaching gives you principles, but we need a touch from a person. And the person is what Jesus is. He is the person. And do you notice what's happening here? He says, he takes the blind man by the hand and led him. So the first thing Jesus does is he takes the blind man, so the blind man is sort of whatever, but the hand that's holding him is the hand of Jesus. And they, they're not just going on a walk, oh, come, and, come and smell the garden, it's really nice, I'll lead you. No, Jesus led him. And the importance of that is that for us, we're working in a period of time when there is a blindness about what is going on in the world and how on earth we're going to respond to it. And what we're needing to do, we need a fresh passion, a fresh desire in our hearts. But we also need to know that Jesus doesn't mind your blindness. He doesn't mind that we don't have the answers to everything. He doesn't mind the way that you don't figure out everything yourself. He doesn't mind that you can't see very clearly for the next week, month, year ahead of it. But he does mind when we forget that he is the one who does know. And so he takes him by the hand. And I wonder whether God wants to take you somewhere today and to lead you. It's such an important word. He takes him by the hand and he leads him. Why didn't Jesus just heal him there and then? Isn't that the easiest? Jesus, son of God, could touch him straight away. But he leads him out of the village. And that's what God does to us. He, he, wants us, he wants us to take us out of our familiar surrounding. Take us out of our comfort zones. Out of the place where we feel secure. Out of the place where we feel we can do things on our own. We don't really need God. He wants to take you and me out of that. And leads him out of the village where everybody else's expectations are. The people you're working with. Oh, well, he's no good at doing it. Oh, she's a failure. Oh, he, he's a... He's messed up um, and you hear those voices that the blind man would always have heard sitting there begging he leads him out of those surroundings and he says I want to take you by the hand and of course he take you by the hand out of the village is not some silent meandering they are talking as he's leading him out of the village and maybe God wants to take you to an unfamiliar place some of you will be going on holiday Uh, that's if we can get aeroplanes to fly us, trains to take us, cars that we can fill up. I mean, the whole place has gone crazy. Uh, My wife asked me to fill up her car. She has the tiniest little car, a little Cinquecento. And uh, and I filled it up, and it cost 70 quid. And I thought, what world are we living in? I mean, 70 pounds to fill up my wife's car. Uh, And so you because we only have one God, so you sort of think about, oh my gosh, um, you know, where is this uncertainty going to lead to? Anyway, that's a digression. The point of it was that even if you go, go to the sea for a day, you're so close, it's so hot, but get out of where you are to an unfamiliar place and allow God to talk to you, because you know what? Our disappointments, our distress, our despondency of the last few years means that where we are in the, in the same place, we don't know what God might want to do. We don't know what God might want to say. We don't know what God might want to ask of us. And we, but we do know that we can let go of the blindness and put our hands in his hand and allow him to lead us even when we're blind. That's the point, isn't it? And so he takes him out. And then the thing gets even more curious, because at that moment, Jesus spits on the ground and puts some of the clay on the eyes. Now, I don't know about you, I don't much care for people spitting. Um, and certainly, I don't want to have someone spitting and then i got to pick it up. I mean, if John wanted to spit, I um, might have a view, um, even if a friend. But do you know what? Uh, I suppose in the case of Jesus, that'd be okay, wouldn't it? (laughs) But what he's doing is he's saying, I mean, it's so curious, isn't it? But what he's saying is, I am the Lord of heaven, but I am the Lord of the earth. So he takes the spirit of, you know, the DNA of the Son of God and puts it into the earth, just where we are, not where we want to be or anything else. He just, he does that as a simple verse and then Jesus asks an absolutely direct question. He says, do you see anything? You know, Jesus asks us direct questions. Do you see anything? And the answer came straight back, well, not really. I can see people, but they look like trees walking around. Which makes me think that he wasn't blind for all his life. There was probably a time when he could see, and could have see that this was people and a tree. Otherwise, it could be a building. And it's just like us. There was a time when we could see things a little more clearly. In 2019, before COVID, the world was going all the way. Inflation, what's that? Um, you know, COVID, what's that? Pandemic, who knows about that? Wars in Ukraine, who thought about that? Life was going on very well at the time. And so we kind of think that there was a time, and he says, but I can't see, I I, I can see movement. And that's where I think we are exactly now. We can see some kind of movement in our lives, some kind of movement around us, in our churches, in our families, in our schools, in our universities, in our hospitals, in our own jobs, some kind of movement. We're not sure what it is. I can't quite tell whether it's a new opportunity For a new opening or a new business to be started. Or or whether it is that there is a a world that is changing. I don't know. I can't see. Uh, You know, it's a terrible place to be. And that's where we are. We are in this place where we cannot get any kind of clarity of what it looks like in normal human tests. And at that moment, Jesus says, look, I don't want to give you tree sight sight. I want to give you true sight. So true sight is that which means that you know when when we're wanting to be to be clear, or we're ready to give up, or we're ready to walk away, Jesus wants to touch again, he wants to give a second touch. Behind every touch of Jesus is a test. Jesus tests you and tests me when he touches us because he wants to know whether in fact we are gonna walk by faith, trusting him. After all, we're looking blind. He is leading, who's leading who? But you put your hand into him and that's why a second touch is important. It tells you that what you've gone through, the trauma of leading through this pandemic, you can still trust. The second touch tells you that though you've gone through the growing pains of uncertainty and unsettling, you can still hope that God can touch your life and touch your ministry. The second touch tells you that you've got the strength to keep believing when it was felt like that believing isn't working. And I believe the Spirit is prompting each one of us to ask the Lord, Lord, will you touch me again today? Will you give me a second touch of your spirit? I don't have it figured out. I don't know what next week will look like, let alone next year. But will you touch me again? We need another touch. We need a second touch. We need a touch, not from a friend, which is amazing, but from Jesus Christ himself. And by his spirit, he's saying, yes, I will do so. And I will do so today. So don't have any second thoughts for that. And then he says once more, Jesus did what? Put his hands. Do you notice five times there is the hands of Jesus. He's wanting to touch him. He touched his hands. He touched his eyes. He he touched him. He touched the earth. And so he's wanting to do the same. He opened his eyes and his sight was restored. And he saw everything Clearly. clearly. The second touch is what makes clarity a reality. He saw everything clearly. And we come filled with hope when we can see things that are clear. And then what Jesus does, is says, I want you to go back to the village, but go back changed. He doesn't say, just go back. Go back changed. Changed by having had an encounter with a living God. By having been touched by Jesus a second time. The first time when we have all had that experience, God touched us, we prayed, we believed, but it wasn't quite clear. And then we ask for a second touch and that's the moment when faith engages and the watering of that faith brings to life that that which was indistinct and, and undiscoverable becomes that which was open to us. And that waiting period between that first touch and that second touch becomes worth doing. Yes, there is a gap between the first and the second touch. Yes, there is a gap between a planting and a harvesting. A farmer doesn't harvest and plant on the same day. A building doesn't have a foundation put in it and a service in it the next day. There is a gap between that and into that gap. The touch of God comes to make that gap the reality and the strength. So that was the second touch. I want to look um, at another and even more wonderful thing. Which is that Jesus gives us a second chance. It's not only that he gives you a second touch. But he gives you a second chance. And you know when we look back. I mean, when I look up, I've sort of screwed up a lot of things, whether it's finances or friends or family or forgiveness I haven't given, the future that I've just messed messed with decisions. And I sort of say, oh, you don't get many chances in the world. You get one crack at something. And then everybody says, well, he's a failure. Couldn't do it. Couldn't hack it, didn't know how to do it, one of those things. But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. And here's a wonderful story. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree which he planted in his vineyard. In other words, there was a fig tree that was planted, not in your neighbor's vineyard, not in your neighboring, looking over the neighbour. This is not a go go compare site. I've got to compare myself to everybody else. This is something that's growing in your own life, and it's a vineyard. Now, quite why there should be a fig tree in the middle of a vineyard, I've no idea. But there we are. But there was a fig tree in the middle of the vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, not unexpectedly. If you plant a fig tree, you expect to find fruit. If you invest in a company, you expect to find that you can get something that's growing, that there's some dividend that's going to come from it. Uh, you know, Well, that used to be the case. And until we've had the crash, maybe it'll come back when people didn't think that you could get money back. You just became put money into things. But there we are, it's another subject. To look for fruit of it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree. In other words, it wasn't a one-off. He's given him three years. Just think of the pandemic three years ago and what we're entering into now. You know, for three years, we've struggled. There hasn't been much fruit. Or at least we haven't thought that there could be much fruit. And for three years, regularly, he came back And he asked the same question, why is there no fruit on this tree? And they was, cut it down, why should it use up the soil? He's pretty clear, look I've given you three years, I've given you a chance You know, you've got a business, you're running the business, I'm the investor, I've given you money every year for three years, you've shown no growth in the business, there's no returns, there's no dividends, just shut it. Why waste time? Why just waste the capital? Why waste the soil? You could plant something else there, you could put a vineyard there. And then the man who in this story of course is Jesus says, sir, leave it alone. For one more year. Leave it alone for one more year. And I think when we get to this place, we, we, it is right to turn to God and to say to him, Lord, give me a second chance. Give me one more year. And I want to encourage you today that to take one more year and to allow God to do something in, to change and to transform to give you a second touch. And you may say, well, that's great. God, that's fantastic. One more year. Uh, we'll check it out July next year. Maybe if I haven't blotted my copybook, Ken will be back. We could do a little audit. We'll check about what you have done, God. Sure. It's easy. Easy. God, one more year. You come. You sort it out. And in a year's time, when the next prize giving takes place, I'll get a prize. But no. No. He doesn't only say that. What he says is that I will do something as well. It's not always that God just acts in the world. He says, I will dig around it and I will fertilize it. And he's very realistic. He then says, if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. I mean, there's a very pragmatic way. I do wish we could always see just how pragmatic the teaching of Jesus is. This is great theology. Of course, it is trusting God that within a year, he is going to allow something to happen, that the trees He's given time to the tree. Don't we always need time? Sometimes you want to invest in a business. You want to give it a bit of time. And you say, okay, I'll give you a bit more money, but in a year's time, either it's good, which he says... If it bears fruit, fine, tick the box, it's done it. If not, then cut it down. But in the meantime, he is saying, I will be involved with you. I will fertilize the ground. I will dig dig the dirt, as it were, because you have to dig the dirt around the tree, aerate it, put some some, uh, nutrients into the ground, give it some fertilizer. And that's what we need to do to say to ourselves, do you know, it, I really want to trust God in this time of waiting. Yes. yes, it's a year. But in this year, I'm going to sort of work at this relationship that's gone seriously wrong. Which means I've got to sort of work at it. Which means I've got to dig deep into myself, into my motivation, my, my thoughts, my, the things that hold me back. And I'm going to get some help. I'm going to ask someone, you know, can you come and help me try and dig around this? I'm not going to try and do it all on my own. This is the great advantage of being in a church of this kind. That while you're digging, you're aerating the soil, but also you're adding stuff into it. New insights into the way in which you respond to people, into the way in which you treat the people in your workplace, in the way in which you're trying to understand how it is that you could benefit from this one year that God gives you in order to be able to grow stronger during that year, to grow, to cultivate the truth and the fruit that you like in personal relationships of patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all the stuff that you know. We need to plan the work and work the plan. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. I believe that we take this year, there will be a year. There are seasons where you're, you must stand in the middle of where you are. This is a transition time. It is a sort of dislocating time, I understand that. But for you as well as for me, these are moments of high transformation. To fertilize, or as the King James verse would have it, to dig and to dung. To put the stuff, to get dirty in really basically assessing why everything's gone wrong and trying to set them right. Yes the land was bare, yes the tree was broken, yes there was barren, there was no fruit. But it is capable of turning. Because our life isn't determined by how we feel when we're disappointed. But it's framed by our faith in God who holds those disappointments in his hands. So here it is, nurture and let God do the rest. And allow the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit isn't an app from the app store. The Spirit of God is in fact, <coughs> is the Spirit of God is the operating system of the computer. He is the one that holds us together. So when we look at God and we say to him, God I want to be part of that great operation that you have called me too and I'm going to give it a year and then you, you know I think of the person of the second chance he's giving it a second chance after three years God isn't impatient he doesn't sort of flip quickly he doesn't have twitter rage with you every second three years there was no fruit and then he came and said I'll give you a year I will do this I'll give you time what are you going to do and he said Lord I am going to really work at the things that have produced no fruit in my life in terms of the fruit of the Spirit of God in spiritual terms but it's also in material terms in planning better for investment in the businesses that you're doing. And then there is that great example of the person who got the biggest second chance of his life and that was Peter. You will remember on the, on the, on the resurrection when the women went to the tomb, and they saw that the Christ had risen. And he says to them, "Go back to the uh, go back." He says, "I'm going to Galilee. Go back to the disciples, and then adds two words, and tell them." And the two words that he adds in the end of Mark 16 is "and Peter." Go and tell the disciples and Peter. He didn't have to say that. They were disciples. Peter was a disciple. But Peter was given a second chance. He screwed up massively. He denied Christ. He don't know who this guy is. He messed around with him for three years and doesn't know who he is. And yet he cried and wept and came back to him and Jesus cried gave him a second chance. So much so that the one person's name that is mentioned at the time of the resurrection is and Peter. And it's the same. It's and John and Michael and Rosemary and Sarah and Rebecca. That's what he says to you. There is a second chance. You can have a second touch. The Spirit of God can touch you and you can have a second chance but don't have a second thought today now just in this minute I know it's hot I know we wanna get out but just for this moment allow our faith to be there to say Lord give me a year and I will dig it and I will fertilize it but give me a second chance if you have massively screwed up your life if you've not turned to Christ or if you had turned to him and you've just gone away come back He is the God of the second chance. He is the God of the second touch. Don't have a second thought. Why don't we stand? I do just want to give you a chance to be able to pray. Um, And this is a different kind of praying because actually... What I really want is a touch, is a touch from God. I know it's hot. I know it's sweaty. And I know the person next to you might not appreciate it, but maybe you might just ask if it's okay. But what I'd really like you to do, if you felt able to, and I don't want to force you to do it. just simply touch somebody next to you and say, I am praying for a second touch for you. And let that person do the same for you. I'm praying for a second touch from God today. If this is acutely embarrassing, mate, just dial out. It doesn't matter. But if it isn't, I promise you it's a sign of God being there. And I'm going to pray. It's okay. Soon we'll be out. You are sweaty. Does it matter you're a little more? It's one of those things. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your spirit come upon this group of this people right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and rest on the, come and rest now. Give a second touch. Just a touch now to say, yes, the first time was, I couldn't see, but now clarity is coming. Give me clarity, clarity to the person next to me. I pray for them. I pray for the person next to me that they be clear. And for those that have really messed up, there is a second chance. There is a second chance. And all it needs is to come to Jesus and say, I give you my life, I give you the mess. And he will say, go and tell and Peter and John and James and Julia. Now let the Spirit of God come. Just let him touch you where you are. You don't have to do anything. Just let him touch you. He will do it. He will do it. He will give you the year. But can you promise that you will dig and fertilize in the name of Jesus.
1: Amen, we are blessed with the word today. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank Kenny Costa, fantastic. I pray that you got a touch from Jesus today, this week. God's gonna keep giving us his touch a second chance. I want to encourage you as a church, we'll always give people a second chance. We're a grace-filled church. We love the grace of God. We love what the grace of God can do in a person's life. No one is past redemption. God's redeeming power in a person's life. So receive that word today. And thank you, Ken. Thank you for being such a friend. And thank you for always bringing truth and grace to our church. We appreciate you. We love you. And why don't we just stretch our hands towards Ken. I'm going to pray that God uses Ken. You know, so many doors are opening for him. Father, we thank you for bringing Ken into our church family again this year. Lord, I thank you for him. What a blessing he's been to us on and off this platform. Lord, I thank you that you could continue to use his voice. That voice of wisdom, that voice of grace, that voice, Father, that says you can go again. Lord, I pray that you would open doors that no man could shut. Lord, I pray for those deep desires, those dreams in his heart that have yet to come into fruition. Lord, I pray that you would continue to give him the courage and strength, Father, to believe for those things. I pray a blessing over his children over his grandchildren, over his family, over his marriage, over his business as Father God. You'd continue to use Ken Costa mightily in the kingdom of God. He would see the kingdom of God advance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I want to just pray for one more group of people. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And you, you've heard today that there is such thing as the second chance. You know the Bible says for all have sinned for all have messed up but here's the good news there's a second chance there's a second chance you know often we don't give people a second chance but God does and today God's saying, hey whatever's happened in the past I can forgive I can give you a brand new start." I know it's hot and it's stuffy and we're all sweating and thing let's get out of here but this moment here is the most important moment of the service because this is where you can find peace with God This is a personal moment. It's nothing to do with the person you left to your right. God is speaking to you. You say, today, I want to receive that second chance. I want to receive grace for my past and hope for my future. I'm going to simply count to three. When I get to three, and this this is for everyone watching online as well. You say, John, include me in that prayer. I'm going to say a prayer, but I'd love to know who I'm praying for. All I want you to do in the room is just slip up your hand nice and high. And those watching online, just write in the chat. Say, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Give us a thumbs up. To so get to three, just say, pray for me. One, he loves you. Two, would you have the courage just to respond to his love? Three, just slip your hand up nice and high. Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Beautiful. God bless you. Right in the back. Good on you. God bless you. Gentlemen over here. Gentlemen over here. God bless you. God bless you. Beautiful. Thank you. Amazing couple there. Thank you. All right, we're going to say this prayer. and. Uh, Let's say it from our hearts, not our heads. I know we're going to read it, but I want us to say it from our hearts and really mean every single word today as we receive Jesus. In fact, we're all going to say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me and dying for me for all my sin and my failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you amen amen come on let's congratulate everyone who's said that prayer received jesus as their personal savior we honor you today and that's we're gonna head out in just a few moments as we do we've got a uh, a bible out the back and the team will be holding up in the air in the atrium and please take a bible we've got some information about the next steps to go from here but i encourage you to come back to church next sunday and uh we're have, we always have a great Sunday, and um, I hope you've been blessed by the Word. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.